Hello, everyone, and welcome to Best Thoughts. I'm Will Johns. And I am Rick Johns the Magnificent. Yes, yes, my subjects. You are so lucky to have me in your presence to expound with wisdom. I am so glad to be here with you, Will. It is an honor for all of our listeners. <laughs> so, so Rick, I am going to just make a quick guess that uh, you're needing to feel special today. Is that, is that accurate? What? <laughs> Me? I am special. If you look up special in the dictionary, you will see Rick L. John. <laughs> That is me. <laughs> so, yes, we are so honored to have the special Rick Johns with us today mm -hmm. to talk about the need to feel special and have a purpose. That's and, right. And uh, you can actually do that without adding the magnificent to the end of your name or some pompous music to, to go behind every time your name is mentioned. <laughs> uh, there's, there's some other ways, but we're going we're gonna to dive into that today and, uh, you know, talk more about what is this need, what does it look like, and what difference does it make in our lives? And you know, Will, I think you told me you had a story that kind of illustrates this need. So why don't you tell us a story from your experience? Yeah, in case some of you are wondering, you know, do I really have this need? It's helpful to just look back at your younger years, at your childhood. And I have a story from when I was probably four or five years old. And I still remember to this day that I was somehow just hanging out in my parents' bedroom, and they asked me, kind of out of the blue, what's 50 plus 50? And at that point in my young life, the highest number that I knew was 100. So I guessed 100. And man, did I get a response after I said that at my <laughs> age of four. <laughs> they were like, wow! You're so smart. How did you know that? Well, of course, I didn't know it, but I, I wasn't going to let on that I didn't know it. So I pretended that I did once I guessed it right. Um, and I immediately felt special. Oh. I felt like, hey, I must be a really smart guy because I'm four years old and I know what 50 plus 50 is. And, and so you see it in little kids. You know, all you have to do is give them a big reaction and they their faces just light up. And you know, it's it's worth pointing out right now that that is natural. We're not talking here about egotism or narcissism. Mm, yes. We're just talking simply about this basic human need to feel like you're special, to feel like you're valuable, to feel like you matter. Um, I guess you could say it in different ways. And you're right, Will. All you have to do is look around to children. They just light up. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's why God made babies so cute and toddlers so cute, so that we would make them feel special. So we would kind mm. of uh, give them lots of attention and affection and love. But over time, that kind of changes. 
Yeah, and it doesn't mean that the need is any less. Right. But we don't always get this need met, and, and you know, the modern world can be pretty cruel and brutal for sure uh, to anyone attempting to meet this need. But the way we go about it can show up in a number of ways. And I know, Rick, for you, finding that through sports was a, was a path that you took when you were younger. Right. And I think that's common for many young boys. And as you kind of grow older and you see, hey, if I make the basket, everybody cheers. If I catch the touchdown pass, I can do a little dance and celebrate. <laughs> There's just so many ways that sports gives you that moment. And I think that's the dream of every young athlete is that they will be the one to make that winning basket or that final score to, to win the game. I remember a couple times uh, in my life, I remember one time playing flag football and I was covering someone on, on defense and they were going out for a pass and they were a little bit better than I was. So I was trying really hard. It was a bigger kid and the quarterback threw the ball and I saw it and I remember just running for all I was worth to try to intercept it and catch up. And somehow I got there just in time to grab the ball one-handed, pull it in, and race down the sideline with an interception and a touchdown. Uh -huh. And I still remember that play because it felt so good. It was the perfect timing. It was an amazing catch. And I ran it back for a touchdown. And I did it against someone who was supposed to be better than I was. And it just was a moment of feeling really special. Now I have an Another story that well, goes... Well, let me pause right there before you get to your next story. Sorry to interrupt there, but I think it's good for us to just pause for a moment and say, all of us can imagine what that felt like for you. Yeah. And, and that really is the moment we're all seeking, you know, whether you're seeking that on, on a musical stage, whether you're seeking that moment from a, a close friend that says man, you're the best. You, you're just always there for me. It's, it's that moment where our existence is acknowledged and even possibly praised. Yeah. And, and it feels so good when yeah. that happens. And boy, is that a core need. I, we all can relate to that and we can all think back and maybe it's good to ask our listeners, just take a moment right now. What is your favorite moment? If you look back on your life, do you have something that you can go to like, oh, it just felt so good. Everything, I did something really well or something happened. Uh, I was acknowledged or rewarded or got some sort of an award or some sort of accomplishment or praise in the sports world, of course, some sort of uh, sports heroics. Those are really great moments in our lives. Like I, I remember when I graduated high school, feeling that moment, feeling like everyone was cheering for me. Uh, I got some scholarships because my mm -hmm. grades were good. I had a girlfriend at the time, and that made me feel like like big stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just like, oh, man, everybody thinks I'm great in this moment. We, we all kind of get those, but we also get other moments, don't we, Rick? 
Yeah, and, and I'm sorry that your life went all downhill after high school, Will. Uh, but I'm glad you had that one moment at least. But I think for uh, me, I remembered another football story that sadly, because our brains tend to remember the negative more than the positive, I have thought about this particular memory way more times than I ever thought about that interception that I mentioned. I remember in seventh grade, I even know the grade. I remember I was captain of a football team. We were playing intramurals. I named my team the Piranhas because I had a BMX freestyle bike that was the Piranha. And I love that bike. And so I named my team the Piranhas because they're vicious and whatever. See, so I, I, I kept score of every game and we, my team won every game that year until we came to play the other team that had won every game. And so this was a uh, kind of a Super Bowl, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we were playing, and I was playing against my best friend Andy's team, or one of my good friends, Andy, and his team. And his team was tough, and my team was tough. And I said, all right, we've got to win this, and then we are the best. And it was my world. That was everything to me in seventh grade. That was as important to me as if I'd been in the actual Super Bowl. And to pause you one more time, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Rick, we used to, in our summer vacation, we would create plays and plan strategies yes. to win at football when school started. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> it was that big of a deal. We, we were all in on winning at football. <laughs> yeah, and so we were playing, uh, the two of us, and finally my team scored first and so we took the lead seven to nothing after several times going back and forth with no score and all i needed to do is to get the game to finish we didn't have that much time at pe class i think it was a half an hour and we were almost done with the class and andy's team had the ball and i thought man if we can just hold them without scoring here we'll win because we'll get the ball back we can run out the clock, so to speak, and we'll have to go in from recess, and we will be Super Bowl champions. <laughs> and so Andy's team had the ball, and I was taking Andy, and Andy was going out for a pass, and all of a sudden he started sprinting as fast as he could, and I recognized, okay, he's going for the long touchdown. And I wasn't scared. I said, I can keep up with him, so I'm running after him. We're streaking down the field, and I look over my shoulder, and the quarterback throws it just as hard as he can. And here comes the ball, and I can see that ball in the air. It's coming. <laughs> I'm speeding up to try to make sure I get there, but I can see he threw it, and I'm going, well, I think he overthrew us. So I'm running, I'm running, and right before the ball gets there, I kind of jump to try to get it but it's it's beyond my reach and i think well he probably overthrew it because i didn't think andy had that much speed and he wasn't that far ahead of me except that when i hit the ground i saw andy catch the ball in the end zone <laughs> falling down and tying the game and i was just so upset because i was on him I thought for sure I could block it. I saw the pass. I thought there's no way he's going to catch it. We're going to win. And instead, we win in tied, and there was no winner <laughs> that yeah. year in our league. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, I love that story of playground heartbreak. <laughs> yes, and I can still remember just running after that ball. I can still see it in midair just thinking, okay, I can stop this. I knew this was going to happen. I'm here. I can win this all. 
And no, I can't. Oh. And I think that's that story illustrates where we have to be careful that we don't put too much too much emphasis on what happens to us. Um, mm. And and ultimately, as we get to the healthy ways to meet this need, we're going to talk about you know how we can can meet the need through our internal journey. Yes. But we start by by meeting this need externally through external positive feedback. It's just that at a certain point, we get enough external negative feedback that it feels like it kind of cancels it all out. Right. And, right. and so we can get to the point when the need isn't met externally, where we become defensive, perfectionistic, controlling, stressed, depressed, because we we look at that and just say, why do I even try? Right. Because nobody's appreciating me. In fact, the harder I try, the less appreciation I get. And and so attempting to meet this need externally can sometimes lead us into a, a lot of emptiness. Right. And it's fleeting. And so any of these kind of special moments are very temporary. And, and that reminds me of a more kind of adult type story. And, and that is there was a pastor whose dream it was to address a huge gathering of pastors. And he got that opportunity. I think he was speaking before like 10,000 pastors or something crazy like that, this huge gathering. He was so excited. He, he prepared like crazy. He preached the best sermon of his life and then immediately fell into a depression after it was over. Yeah. And, and, and why is that, Rick? Why do you think he became depressed after realizing his, the highest ambition of his life? Right. And I think you're referring to Kerry Newoff in his book, uh, I Didn't See This Coming. Yes. And yes. it was a powerful story because he had always thought, boy, I'll know I have arrived when I'm invited to be one of the headline speakers at one of these huge conferences to train pastors. And he was there with other big names. He was one of the key presenters. And it was his dream come true. And the minute after he delivers his very successful address, he's completely wiped out, burned out, depressed, discouraged for months, and he can't figure it out. And of course, what you and I can probably figure out is he looked to that. He was always working towards that moment. And once he achieved it, there was no more purpose. <laughs> there was no more... Mm. Um, no more striving for that specialness because he'd achieved it. And now what do you do? Yeah. The moment came and went and you still don't feel special because your specialness is tied to some sort of goal, something external. And that's why, Will, when we look at the healthy ways, we want to move to kind of a more internal way of recognizing our value and our specialness. Absolutely. Uh, but before we get to that, Let's take just a few minutes to look at some of the unhealthy ways that we may tend to try to meet this need. And we, we share these with you because if you can recognize some of the unhealthy ways, then it gives you an opportunity to start letting those go, which will free up time and energy to invest in the healthy ways that will actually work. Yes. Uh, the unhealthy ways are, are kind of a guaranteed failure from from the get-go. And, and one of the most obvious ones in today's world and social media is to compare ourselves with others. Yeah. And one of the, the 
the ways I've struggled with this, Rick, is there's a certain competitiveness in me. Yeah. Where I feel like I always have to be just a little bit better than other people. Somehow. Competitively better. And I really don't. But in my mind, I think I do. Yeah, I think that's very human for all of us, Will, that we have this need to compare ourselves with others. We want to feel that specialness. So in order to do so, we kind of get competitive. We feel like we have to be better than others. And a lot of times I think we we judge ourselves kind of more harshly too. Mm -hmm. So even when we are maybe better than others, we see that we could have done it even better and maybe it wasn't as good as we thought it could have been. And so it's a never ending cycle. You can never just have that need met because you're always not good enough. There's always somebody out there who's better. There's always a way you could have done it better. And that can get really discouraging or it can keep you in this cycle like Brene Brown talks about of just hustling for your worth, hustling, hustling. I've got to keep trying to get my worth from others and from my value and from how much I produce. Well, and and the other kind of bad side effect of of this approach is that we, we could start putting other people down to try to win the comparison that way. Yes. So, so, you know, everybody is a failure. Everybody's an idiot. Everybody's stupid. And we know those people. We know those people. We do not like being around those people. And there's way too many of them that they are always putting little jabs, little digs, always kind of putting people down around them. And it's, it's an annoying kind of thing to be around. And they're doing it because they want to feel special. It makes them feel better to see other people fail or see other people, you know, not be good enough or well, drop and, the ball. Or... And, and the other thing that happens when we, when we do these unhealthy ways is that we can push ourselves to the point of exhaustion. Uh, that yep. can happen when we try to people please. Yes. Well, if someone really likes me, then I have worth. So I'm going to, I'm going to you know, serve, 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 serve to the point of exhaustion. Uh, It can happen in workaholism. You know, my value is what I produce. So I'm going to work harder than everybody else and and work myself to the point of exhaustion, imbalance and unhealth. And I want to, I want to jump in and, and take issue with your word serve. I don't, when you're people pleasing to me, that's different than serving. I get what you mean, but when you're people pleasing, it's compromising your own values, integrity, to try to meet someone else's expectations or make them like you. Serving to me comes out of a heart of love and I want to do something to help you. Whereas the motivation for people pleasing is I want you to like me. I want you to like me. And I think, I think we justify though with the word serve. Yeah. (laughs) I I want you to like me. So I'm going to quote serve you. Yeah. But it's not, you're, you're exactly right, Rick. It's not true service. No. When it's motivated selfishly to just, I'm kind of using you to help me feel special. Yeah. I've done this great (laughs) deed for someone else. Did everyone see what I did? You know, Jesus in the Bible talks about these Pharisees and he says they blew the trumpets before they gave alms to the poor, before they helped people. And uh, we believe that probably actually literally happened, but it's, it's also metaphorical that we like to have our, our good works noticed. I knew, I knew a guy once, Rick, that he would regularly bring his wife 24 
two dozen roses home as kind of a surprise. Uh huh. And it was this big grand gesture, and she never appreciated. It. <laughs> she didn't like it, and he kept doing it. But he felt like a good person. And and so you know the jury's out as to whether that was really an act of love or or an attempt right. for him to feel special by getting her appreciation. You know, yeah. but whatever it was, you know, it wasn't appreciated. Right. And so it goes to show that with all of these unhealthy ways to try to meet this need, we're probably headed for emptiness, yeah. burnout, exhaustion, frustration. frustration. Yep. <laughs> so Rick, let's dive into what, what are some healthy ways that we could actually meet this need? Yeah, there are, there are a number of healthy ways. And I just wanted to say one more unhealthy way, which was workaholism. We just briefly touched on that. Oh, yes. Yep. Anyone who's married to a workaholic, it is a really exasperating position because their, their identity is so tied in with their job. And they're so stressed even when they're at home because, oh, I don't know if this went right. I don't know if this is happening. They, some people can't even go on vacation, Will, because mm. they have mm. to do their job perfectly. They have to be the best. Everything has to go well under there. And their whole identity is tied up with their performance at work. And I think that that's really uh, crippling to a family. It's really discouraging. Yes. It's really um, devastating to the people in your life because they start to see this person's job comes before all of us. Mm. And I think mm. subtly behind that is this core need to feel special. I have to do well at work. I have to be the best. I have to be known as a hard worker, a good worker. I have to be on top of everything. And that kind of uh, thinking can get really destructive. And I think workaholism is just as powerful as those other aholisms that are in the world. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for calling our attention to that because that one is, is kind of doubly justified with, I, I'm making sure that we have plenty of money for our family. You right, know? right. Um, but, but there's ways that we can balance work and life without burning ourselves out without making the people close to us feel like they don't matter. So that, that comes down to healthy way number one of meeting this need. And, and we've been, and that is a relationship with God. Yeah. And, and the reason the spirituality and this connection with God meets each need so effectively is, is that number one, God knows exactly the needs that we have and how to meet them in ways that that work for us long term yeah and so when we can recognize through our relationship with god that we matter yeah that god has given us certain gifts and a certain specific purpose in the world that we can accomplish that we can do or that we can be is probably the better way to put it that just changes that that lays the foundation for how we can go about meeting this need in other healthy ways. Yeah, the first thing we read in the Bible is that God created man and women, men and women in his own image. So there's an innate value. So we don't have to hustle for our worth. We don't have to get all the kudos in the world. We're already special. We're already made in the very image of God. And, and honestly, just look at humans. We are incredible. What our brain can do is far beyond what any computer can do. What our eyes 
I was talking to some camera guys because we want to put new cameras in our church. And they were saying, you know, it's a shame these cameras have a real hard time with low light and they have a hard time focusing when things aren't just perfect with the lighting and the background and all of this. And the guy just offhandedly makes the comment, yeah, we can make some pretty incredible cameras, but there's still nothing compared to the human eye and mm. what the human eye can do. Mm. And I just really hit me like, we are incredible, special creatures, each one of us, just by being human, mm. just by all the different components of who we are and our uniqueness. So maybe part of the healthy ways that we have to accept it is not only um, coming to that realization and accepting uh, that God made us in his image, but we have to accept ourselves, which is, of course, uh, a hard thing for a lot of us mm. to really say, I am special. I'm already special. I'm okay. I'm good enough. Uh, those are hard things sometimes for us to say to ourselves. We can do it for others, but for some reason with our own self, we, we kind of hold a grudge against ourselves. And I think in addition to that, if we can recognize our value and recognize the good things about ourselves, yeah, that's a powerful way to also go about meeting this need in a healthy way because when I see, number one, that I have value because I'm created by God, in God's image, that alone, by definition, gives me dignity and value. And then I can look at, at my gifts and say, you know, I have this gift and I have this other thing that I can do that blesses other people. And, and when, I, when I give that gift, I'm adding value and goodness into the world. And I can feel good about that. Yeah. And I don't have to be better than anybody to give that gift. To get to that point, Will, another healthy way is to slow down and spend some quiet time each day, whether mm. it's meditation, contemplation, reading in the Bible, prayer, something where you pause, slow down, and accept that value, reflect on those gifts. It doesn't mean that you have to see yourself as perfect, and no. that's ridiculous because nobody's perfect, but you can recognize, you know what? I know how to listen, or I, I can make a joke here or there, or I'm good at organizing things, or I really enjoy painting or doing art. Find something. We all have unique gifts and interests, but you need some time to slow down, to think about those things, and accept those as part of your specialness, part of your value, and recognize if you're not in the world, the world won't get those unique things that you have to offer. Yes, yes. And I think going right along with that is we can recognize that we have a special relationship to certain people in our lives. Hmm. So think about your best friends, think about family members, think about your spouse, think about your children, think about your parents, think about aunts and uncles, think about close work associates, and recognize that you are special to them in a way that's unique to you because you have a special relationship to them. Correct. And so you could do for those people that are close to you, you can do for them what no one else can. Yeah. And one of the things I, I like to say to remind myself all the time is I'm the only one that can be a father to my kids. Hmm. No one else can do that. No one else can play 
that part. I'm the only one that can be a husband to my wife. Now, someone else could do my job, and someone else could take out the garbage, and someone else can do the dishes or mow the lawn, but no one else can fulfill those unique roles. Correct. And so when I can understand that, that can help meet this need for giving me a sense of specialness, of purpose, of meaning. And then here's the other piece to that. If I can accept the love of my family and friends and, and embrace it. Yeah. Um, what I found at a certain time in my life, and this comes back to when we talked about accepting ourselves, Rick, is I couldn't accept myself. And so I, I tuned out all the love that family and friends were trying to give me. Yeah. Like I didn't notice it. Yeah. It was there, but I, I rejected it subconsciously and then felt unloved and unspecial. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people would be stunned at their funerals if they could be conscious, which they aren't, but if they could be to hear the outpouring of love, because a lot of people I don't think accept that love or acknowledge it. They, we tend to be very dismissive, like, ah, oh, my kids probably think I'm boring and a, and a dull father. And I'm really, I know I'm not the greatest husband. I know I'm not the greatest employee. I know I'm not the greatest son. Whatever role we're in, we tend to minimize it. And mm -hmm. this is what we're saying is, you got to take some time and rework those those neural pathways in your brain. Stop focusing on the negative, and and maybe we could say a healthy way to meet this is to change that story. Change yes. the story that I'm not good enough. Change the story I'm not special. Change the story I don't matter into hey I am special. I do matter. I have something to offer. We've got to take time to rewrite those neural pathways. And then we can accept, this is not about being an egomaniac. It's simply about receiving the love that's been coming to us, but we haven't acknowledged it. We haven't received it because we didn't think we were worthy of it or, or we dismissed it because, well, you know, I could always do better. I didn't, I don't know why they're, you know, praising me or thanking me for this. And I think a gratitude practice here is powerful no surprise you went there yes of course so everything is better than you think <laughs> yeah. uh that's the title of my book so i had to work that in there yes um, well played gratitude for yourself which we don't often do that seems selfish and egotistical yeah but but be truly grateful for the gifts that you have yeah i mean you have an incredible brain that that God did not create any other species on this planet with quite the capacity that you have with just your brain alone right to do amazing things you have a heart for other people uh, you have skills and talents you have wisdom all of that stuff give yourself some credit for that that's value that you're adding into the world yeah and then if we can also be grateful for the love of family and friends that we begin to see because we're looking for it. Right. We begin to accept because we're open to it. And once we start receiving that love that's already there, but we've, we've shut our eyes to it, that can massively change the way we feel regarding this need. Right. And it puts you in a positive cycle. 
So now you have love to give because you're accepting the love that was already there. You're accepting your own value, your own worth, your own unique giftedness. So you no longer have to be going around with this big need to feel special. Now you can just give love. Now you can uh, be present to others. You don't have to be competitive with them. You don't have to put anyone down. And then that's a positive cycle because then others like being around you because you have some love to give. You can actually serve them instead of people pleasing. And it just works so much better. And so for anyone that might think, man, I, I think that's really weird to sit down and just kind of take some quiet time to, to be grateful for myself. <laughs> I want to say you're doing your family a favor by doing it. You're doing your friends a favor. You're doing your coworkers a favor because you're going to, you're going to start your day feeling loved and valued, and you're going to have something to offer now instead of trying to get it from others. And, and that really perfectly wraps up what we wanted to say today about this need of feeling special, of having a purpose, having meaning in your life. You could see that all of these healthy ways involve some kind of internal process, some, some kind of inward journey mm -hmm. that you embark on where you find it inside through your relationship with God, through the love of others, through your giftedness, through recognizing your value, accepting yourself, all of that stuff. And then when, when you make the interception, Rick, just enjoy it. Yeah. But that's not it. Because you can also miss the ball and the other team gets the touchdown and that's okay too. Yep. And whether whatever happens out there in your external world, you could still feel good about the value that you have internally. Exactly. And then one day you grow up and have the world's best podcast. So it all works out, even though you didn't win the seventh grade football championship. At least you're the best podcaster in the entire world who perfectly summed up everything. As my brother just said, I want to point that out. So, so, so uh, I just have to add, we would have never made this podcast if we were being competitive because <laughs> <laughs> even though we call it best thoughts, it's uh, only our best thoughts, not the best thoughts that are out there. <laughs> true enough, true enough. And what we, to, to conclude today, I just want to say a couple of things. Number one, so we've, we've covered four of the six needs. Next week, as, as promised, as we've been hinting at throughout the series, we have the final two that will take you to the next level. That's right. And we will be sharing need number five next time. So tune in and we'll tell you how you can meet five and six and go from surviving to thriving. So Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. I like that, Rick. Yep. So thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Rick Johns and Dr. Will Johns. We look forward to being with you in our next episode.